Hi, this is Samantha Newark, probably best known as the voice of Jem and Jerrica from Jem and the Holograms, and you are listening to Hellions Talks. Almost live from a library near you, this is Hellions Talks, starring the masked library, Kevin Hellion. He is the lauder of the long box, the hero of the hall, and he's on a mission to bag and board them all. Now the Retro Network proudly presents a talk show of comic proportions. Hello everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Hellions Talks for this weekend. And uh, it's March, and obviously with me being the big sports fan that I am, which which is well known throughout uh, podcasting and blogging, I thought I would do a March Madness tournament breakdown. Um, I'll guess which teams are going to win and lose this uh, basketball thing. No, of course not. We have a different tournament to talk about today. We're going to talk about the NWA Crockett Cup, which is starting on March 19th. I'm very excited for it. The final will be on March 20th. This is a 16-team tag team tournament to decide the winner of it. And my friend from Talking About Brackets before, a great podcast guest, Kevin Ford, has rejoined me on the show today. He did not learn the last couple times. and He decided to come back. Thank you, Kevin, for being on the show once more. Oh, you're very welcome. And this is going to be sort of a learning experience for me because... I, I keep some tabs on like what's going on in the NWA a little bit, but I haven't really watched much of it um, in a couple years uh, since the pandemic. I've probably seen one or two NWA matches. And I, like I said, I keep some tabs on what's going on. So hopefully there's a lot of these people I'm aware of, but uh, a lot of my predictions and stuff are going to be gut feelings. And uh, so maybe you'll be able to help me suss some things out. So this will be fun. Right, yeah, and I, of course, was aware of the NWA, um, but for most of my wrestling watching life, it's been something that people uh, latched on to their own brand, but not a brand itself. Um, when I grew up, uh, my local cable company had a dispute with TBS and TNT, so we actually had neither channel for years, so I didn't get to watch a whole lot of NWA, WCW. Then we had uh, TNA having the name for a while. Um, even WWE short time there with uh, Jeff Jarrett coming out with the North American title. Yeah. Uh, if anything, I was mostly aware of NWA through uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated covering it. Um, but then uh, my friend, the educator there, who I did the previous house show podcast with, he loves the two NWA YouTube shows. Um, so NWA Power with multiple R's at the end mm-hmm. and now NWA USA. And, you know, once I got watching, I kind of like the studio feel. It really feels like a throwback to uh, what I, what I did end up seeing of it in the eighties. And there's a lot of talent on there that could be somewhere else. This is just, you know, where they ended up for whatever reasons. And they are absolutely embracing the history of it as well, which includes doing the Crockett cup, this March. So I'm just enjoying it as very much a wrestling alternative. It, it, it NWA has its own feel. It doesn't feel like WWE or AEW or anyone else. 
it is what it is. And if you enjoy that, you're hooked, which I am now. I, I wait until it goes up on YouTube and watch both episodes every weekend. But if you're not into it, you know, then do something else with that hour, two hours of your life. No problem. <laughs> but it, it's a fun show. It's worth throwing on. I, when I watched uh, the first run of Power, which I think <clears throat> was like 2019, that was very enjoyable. Uh, the, the studio vibe was definitely uh, much enjoyed. And there was people that I knew from my time in Nova, uh, like with, from the Carolinas coming in, some ex-WWE people. Uh, it was a really interesting mix. Like Eddie Kingston was there for a little bit. Um, like wait, that's where Wade Barrett started with commentary, I think. So yeah. there, there was a lot of really interesting elements. And then the pandemic just kind of put everything on ice. And there was like a, a, a minor controversy with Cornette saying something. Shocking, I know. Um, and it, it feels like it took a very long time for it to finally get its footing. Like it took – it completely took everything off of its YouTube channel after putting – a healthy amount of stuff up there. Like that's actually, I watched the the 2019 Crockett Cup when it was like with Ring of Honor and I think at least one New Japan team. They put it up on YouTube, the whole show for free. I watched it there over the pandemic. And they had a, a bunch of other matches that were up there too that they just immediately took off and put everything on a pay channel. And seemingly that didn't go so well because then they pivoted back again. And now they are, are back to doing uh, the power shows and NWA USA on YouTube again, which I think is certainly for the best. Um, and I yeah. do think it's it's really important in an environment where I feel like a lot of people, I, I would say the majority of people, not like us who are wrestling devotees, they get their wrestling fill simply from what's on television. But for people who do want something a little extra for something readily available, you have to be different. And NWA certainly doesn't feel like the other two promotions, which is a, a very strong, positive thing. Right. And it's it's a thing that I think wrestling fans forgot over time. Um, and I, I'll always equate it to comics. Uh, I remember when I got into comics, having adults, previous generation, not understanding when I came home with something that wasn't superheroes. Well, it's a comic book. Yeah. And? Well, it's not superhero. No, it's a medium to tell any story that you want. And it took me a while to realize wrestling can be that as well. So you can use this platform of wrestling to tell any story with any type of crowd for any size building that you want to do to just play around with it. But because we got so used to WWE being the Coca-Cola, the McDonald's of it all, you assume that everything is like that. And it took a while for me and I, and I think some other fans to say, we don't have to do it this way. Even look at um, people complaining about AEW. Oh, why isn't it a squash match that got done in a minute? Why did this person struggle to, to defeat a lesser opponent? They didn't struggle. They put on a contest. They put on a show. So the guy, you, you know who's going to get beat, but it was at least entertaining to get there. <laughs> it's at least more of a story. And now that guy can go and have uh, more attention when he works for other companies. It helps everyone. But anyways, getting off track. And, and you did mention uh, the 2019 one with featuring some Ring of Honor talent just to uh, do the elephant in the room here. Now, as you review the weekly Ring of Honor shows for your blog, are you worried that you're going to have nothing to review soon? 
Are you uh, anticipating what happens next? <laughs> I'm it's it's so up in the air. I try not to give it too much thought because I really don't know what's next. Um, I mean, who even knows if Supercard of Honor happens at this point? Uh, I know they have they they had already put in their announcements like what the next month of shows is going to look like. Um, so like, you know, they they're doing the first Ring of Honor Hall of Fame class. So all of February each week was like someone was highlighted. So this weekend is like a highlight of everybody. Then next weekend's supposed to be a, a highlight of Supercard of Honor's past. And then during this whole time since Final Battle, Jonathan Gresham has been doing a ton of outside Ring of Honor title defenses. He's done them in GCW, Progress. Uh, he did one for like NWA of Arizona or something else against Nick Aldis. Uh, you know, he did Terminus, things like that. And they're spending a couple weeks showcasing some of those matches. So like March is done. And then they had already said, you know, we're going to have Supercard of Honor and TV tapings and stuff after that, which who knows if they if they still want it to be its own brand, they can do it that way. But maybe they don't. Um, I actually was listening to uh, Alvarez and Meltzer talk about the announcement. I actually thought they made a pretty good point, which is to say, you know, if you had a show that had Wheeler Yuta, Daniel Garcia, Jake Atlas, Tony Nese, FTR, all those guys, and you call it Ring of Honor, you're going to draw a lesser crowd than if you just say it's an AEW show. So why are you even running a Ring of Honor show? Um, and I thought that was a really salient point. And if you look at the history of when wrestling companies absorb other companies and if they try to do them both at once, it either lasts as long as a night or for a short period of time. It eventually becomes too unwieldy and you're serving different masters or whatever. So I'm working under the assumption that eventually it's going to go away and it's going to be a tape library that's part of whatever AEW goes to on a streaming service, which isn't necessarily a bad thing at all. Um, but, you know, there's there's old Ring of Honor I can I can watch, too, or maybe pivot to something else. I'm not sure. But I don't try to put as much energy into thinking about it because I don't know and I have no con control over it. So I'll just roll with the punches. All right. And, and I'm very curious as well. Uh, honestly, I think at this point, AEW should be on some sort of streaming service uh, to just see they already have a good archive now with the Ring of Honor stuff. And maybe I'm spoiled by WWE Network and Peacock, but to just have live shows on there that are part of my overall monthly subscription and not an extra fee. Totally. I, you know, I know the pay-per-view model obviously makes them a good amount of money. I mean, I think these days the model is there's way fewer people watching wrestling in general. So you, you try to bleed that stone dry as much as you can for their money. And hey, it seems it seems to be working. It seems that a, a good percentage of of the of the AEW fans are paying for their pay-per-views. But it is it it always bewildered me that you have these shows on TBS and TNT, which are Warner Brothers companies, and HBO is a Warner Brother company, and their archives are on HBO Max. And uh, that seems to be where they were talking about going anyways. But I think it would be neat to have obviously your dynamites and and rampages and i know nobody even the most ardent AEW fans most of them ignore dark and dark elevation but that's hours you can put on a spreadsheet to sell to a company like look how many hours of content we can give you um and you can even do fun things like even if you keep the pay-per-view separate for something like a, a tbs special like those hour specials or battle of the belts or whatever 
you could do one hour on TBS and then, hey, switch over to HBO and watch two more hours. So it's like you're getting this pay-per-view caliber event as a bonus every quarter as opposed to just like, oh, it's an hour of something on TBS. So there's there's a lot of fun things you can do with it on top of having the archives there. Um, and yeah, so it'll just be interesting to see how it does. But I would I yes, we are spoiled with the way that a lot of the streaming stuff works and a lot of people follow industry leaders, but I don't anticipate a lot of them going to get rid of their four tent pole pay-per-views right away and folding it into, if you have a subscription, you get them live. Um, but eventually on demand, you can get them. And I don't think their audience will, their audience will seem to mind. I think they will still pay for the pay-per-views. That's just a guess though. Now the AEW fan base does seem to be a, a, more rabid fan base than another promotion has right now. But speaking of pay-per-views and streaming services, this NWA Crockett Cup will appear on Fight. I made sure of that this time after I sat down to watch Matt Cardona versus Trevor Murdoch, and it turned out that was not on Fight. (laughs) When is that airing, by the way? Do we know? I gotta imagine next week's shows, because they've done uh, the women's match, the um, North America's title, or whatever. So Cardona Murdoch's the last one from that show that they have to air. So I imagine it's on the episode of power that will be on fight on Tuesday and on YouTube the following Saturday. Got it. Okay. So they, so they kind of do the same model as like what new Japan does for strong is they'll do one day of tapings and then like, they'll break that up into three or four episodes of weekly hour long television. Yeah. Got it. Yep. Okay. So, yep. So this past week had um, a Crockett cup match, ironically, and uh, Aldis and um, Mayweather, or not Aldis, um, Adonis and Mayweather for the America's title. Wait, who's Mayweather? I was like, Floyd Mayweather? No, um, God, what the hell is his full name? Um, oh, oh, Anthony Mayweather. Anthony Mayweather. Do this in an, oh, um, that's Crimson. Uh, Tommy Mercer from AIW. That guy, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the the national titles. Sorry, he's getting uh, he's getting enough more gimmicks than Luke Gallows, I guess. Yeah, and then they aired uh, Camille defending against uh, Taryn Terrell. Right. Well, you'd have to imagine too, just logically, and I know this this would tend to happen in weird taping time periods and stuff with other companies, but like you would want to air the Broski title win before you ask people to pay for the Crockett Cup to watch him defend the title. It's like you're gonna have you're gonna pay and watch him do his first defense before you even watch him win the damn thing. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, because he's defending against Nick Aldis night one for the show. Yeah. Um. It, and I was enjoying it, but also you know you're gonna have a bigger crowd for this for the Crockett Cup coming up. They had a big crowd for the previous show here that they're splitting up, but there was a taping before that, or or maybe a pay per view, where they showed up. And the story is that the venue limited the amount of tickets. And it wasn't something that they were aware of at first. So it was just this very empty, sparse crowd. It looked really sad. It was a sellout for the amount of tickets they were allowed to sell. Mm-hmm. But the amount of tickets compared to the size of the building, it looked sad. It wasn't their fault. but So it was like the building COVID. had like COVID number restrictions and they didn't and they weren't aware of it till. Yeah. So it if, it's, if it if it could hold like 500, let's say they were only allowed 100 in there. 
I'm no businessman, but I feel like that's something I would inquire about or hope to have been told before. Yeah. Committed yeah. to a building. Yeah. And, and, it, and it might shock listeners, but uh, sometimes there's wrestling stuff that happens that we don't get the full truth about. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's a that's something that was kind of interesting is I had someone um, I didn't listen to the whole thing, full disclosure. But I, I you know, I was reading about the uh, the Dax Harwood Renee interview, which obviously got a lot of attention for the, the Shawn Michaels story, but also well praised for him being so open about his mental health. And I did listen to some of those clips, but I guess there was something else about him talking about, like, oh, the Briscoes match hasn't happened yet because neither team wants to lose something along those lines. And some friends mentioned it to me. And then I didn't say anything then. But then once the ROH announcement got made, I was like, hey, guys, just remember, like wrestlers are professional bullshitters. So even in earnest interviews, you're going to get something like this, just like a little nugget of work just thrown in there amongst all these things sometimes. Well, it's interesting there because it sounds like whether it be mutual friends or, or other stuff online, that a lot of people knew what Tony Khan's announcement was going to be and weren't allowed to say it publicly. So you kind of wonder some stuff that has been said in the last couple weeks, you know, um, if people knew and were, were who did know when they knew and what they were saying otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get right into the Crockett cup tournaments here. Um, I have my own way of guessing what will happen for various events. Uh, I'm sure you have your own way here. And there are some people that, nothing against them, but just I try to assume what I think the company wants to do and who the company wants to push. And some of these people, I'm sure, will lose right away. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's that's the nature of things. All right. We're going to start in night one. There's a play-in match for the sixth. Seed in the tournament. I kind of think, well, no, I honestly I think this is between two teams. It's nothing against the others. But the four teams playing for the 16th seed are Violence is Forever, which is Dominic Garini and Kevin Koo, the Bad News Boys, Brendan Tate and Brent Tate, the Rip City Shooters, Joshua Bishop and Wes Barkley, and the Heat Seekers, Elliot Russell and Sigmund. For me, I'm torn between two teams. I have to imagine it's uh, the the Cleveland Territory teams, or I guess the in, Cleveland Nashville Territory teams. In, indeed, it is, and it, it's tough. But then I look at who they're up against, and they're up against La Rebellion in that first round match, Vestia uh, Six Exist and Mecha Wolf. Because of that, I'm going with Rip City Shooters. Interesting. Yeah, that's. It's it's one of those things where I think like uh, uh and and I'm I'm incredibly biased, but I would say of those four teams, Violence is Forever has the name value, both being on MLW, both being heavily featured on IWTV, um, both being well received, uh, and very different from what the NWA offers in terms of style, but different but complementary to a lot of the people on their roster. Um, the bad news boys, I had no idea they were going by this name, but they used to be the, uh, Dalton castles boys, uh, in ring of honor. Like they won the, the six man titles with him, the Tate twins. Uh, they also went by, and I think they were in, um, there was like a, on the 
the 2019 Crockett Cup, there was the 20, uh, the like the battle royal for the last seed that um, Tom Latimer and Royce Isaacs eventually won. They were in that too. Uh, so they're a team I could see as a co- sort of a carryover from that getting in that. And then the, the NWA tag champs stomp them. And I don't know anything about the Heat Seekers. Um, but yeah, Rip City Shooters is a really good guess. Um, I there's but there is part of me that wonders if, uh, you know, Tate twins kind of get a nice little upset underdog thing here and then just get beaten down by La Rebellion in the opening round. Uh, cause it's one of those things where I think maybe you have violence is forever, rip city shooters and the heat seekers there. How does the audience respond to them? Do they like them? Uh, do you give them the chance to get to do their stuff and get sort of, uh, check the pulse of the audience, how they, how they get a read on them and then see if you want to bring them back to do something more significant. Um, and then you don't have them loot, go in the tournament and lose. So you'll say the Rip City Shooters, but I think it's a really good guess. I'm just going to go with my gut and say the Bad News Boys. But again, uh, I don't have a good feel of what – I have way less of a feel of what the NWA is doing or would want more than than you would. But I'm just going to go with my gut there. Well, I, I will say no matter who wins, um, I think that the Rebellion wins against whichever team is the 16th seed. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Um, and I will say that it's just because of who I watch and who I like that uh, that qualifying for a match is like one of the matches I'm most looking forward to on the entire two nights. Oh, absolutely. And and my my reason is nothing against violence. It's forever. Fantastic. But I waiting for someone to just dig their fingers into Joshua Bishop <laughs> and and. And it wouldn't shock me if NWA is the one to start that going. Well, I mean, not start, because clearly it's already started. I mean, for another company to really like, ooh, we want to do something with this guy. A a promotion that may be viewed a little higher up on the food chain than AIW. For better, you know, right or wrong, whether that makes sense, just the, the name value of NWA and Josh Bishop being associated there would, in some people's opinions, put him on a higher platform than just what he's been doing, you know, right, right now. And, and, and we can say more eyes on him. It, sure. Certainly nothing against AIW or Thorne or anything like that. But yeah, I'll say just have more eyes. Yeah, for sure. Just I, just those letters carry carry a certain amount of weight with a fan, you know, whether they're whether those opinions are outdated or whatever is, is a, a, a talk for another day. Him being featured on the show is a very good thing. All right. Now I'm going, I have the bracket up on Wikipedia. As do I. Okay. Then I'm going to go just straight down here. Right. Okay. So next match is the end, which is Odinson and Pero versus Hawks Airy, which is Luke Hawks and PJ Hawks father son team, which they keep promoting. And they're saying it's the first father son team, which is, you know, playing against the Mysterios without actually saying it. Um, the end's been very good, very interesting. Uh, I wonder, because Pero, I believe, was on an episode of Control Your Narrative that I had watched for Add Odds with Wrestling Homework. Yes, he was, because I believe he's a, a Florida native. Yep, and with whatever might be happening with Control Your Narrative, I could see him have... Uh, maybe being there more than NWA. 
I see the push for the father-son team being an interesting story to see how far they can go. I think it's going to be the Hawks moving ahead for this one. So, you know, yes, we, because I watched it too, unfortunately, that whole first control your narrative. <laughs> um, and I don't necessarily think that involvement of that means you're involved with what it is now. That seemed more like a, a pilot proof of concept sort of thing. Um, and I definitely know the end better than I know the Hawks family because they did evolve. They, they even did uh, like all Japan stuff and they're a really good team. Um, just a just big dude, smash mouth kind of team uh, that that's extremely my shit. Uh, but that so that's interesting about the Hawks. They talk about them being the, the father son. Do they say the first father son team or like the first father son team in the Crockett Cup? How is that portrayed? Because you 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 because you kind of mentioned that. Oh, it seems like a shot at Ray and Dominic. It's it's implying that they were teaming up before Ray and Dominic were teaming up. Which is possible because I don't know what the training age is in Louisiana because I think that's where Luke Cox is from. But it's possible they were teaming when he was like PJ was like 13, 14 years old, you know. Right. So it's not saying they're the first ever necessarily, but it's implying that they're they were doing it before Ray and Dominic who are getting all of this attention. Which is stupid because like who gives a shit? Like what does that really (laughs) matter? You know, I don't know. It's just silly. Um, But all that said, just because. Well, I don't know, because let's see. Okay, so you have our La Rebellion heels. I have to imagine they are. How about they wrestle like heels? Okay, perfect. Um, and the Hawks, I want to say it, the father-son dynamic, I would I would imagine. And just knowing what Odin's, Odin's and Pair are, they're, they're supposed to be baby faces. Yeah. Okay, so then for that reason alone, I will say the Hawks family goes into the second round as well. And I'll say Odinson has looked great on recent episodes. They did their um, team war, which is uh, teams of three against each other, but you don't tag in and out. Once someone from your team is pinned, then you come into the ring and you keep going until one team's left, but there's no tags. I see. So like you, the, each team has their own batting order and it's like yeah. an elimination match, but the elimination only occurs once the person gets pinned. So Presumably, you could have just the first guy on one team eliminate all the other three, and the other two don't do anything. Well, that's what they did. They had Odinson run through everyone. Oh, that rules. And he looked amazing in it. Yeah. That's that's great. I like that idea a lot. Okay, next one down the list here is Strictly Business, which is Chris Adonis and Tom Latimer, versus Gold Rush, which is Rush with uh, three H's. I don't know if it's a Triple H joke, if it's an NWA power joke or whatever. I say, they really love um, the three letters at the end of words. They really do. Uh, which that team is Jordan Clearwater and Marche Rocket. Um, honestly, Strictly Business is just a much higher profile team. Adonis just lost his singles title, so I think would have something to prove. Um, they've been in it longer, and based off of where the brackets are and you bringing up heel versus face. It also gives away my pick for the next round, but I think strictly business winning here just makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, go read about Tom Latimer's personal life on his Wikipedia. I've got nothing great to say about him as a person or even a wrestler. Quite truthfully, I've, I've, ugh, I've seen some local matches, him and woof. Um, 
But in terms of the NWA, like I talk about that, the last Crockett Cup in 2019, him and Royce Isaacs went to the finals and they're former NWA tag team champions. Uh, and so Latimer being in here, I think there's that easy story to tell about how far he's going to go being a former finalist, got that chip on his shoulder, maybe do it again. I don't know how Marche and, and Clearwater have done as a team. Clearwater is someone I've seen a lot of because he's done uh, New Japan Strong. I believe he was trained by Carl Anderson out of Ohio, which is kind of how he got his in there. But he's very good. Uh, and Marche, I know a lot from his Chikara days. I know he did some stuff in Impact. But it's been a minute since I've seen him. Um, I think maybe the last Logan Square show Chikara did in 2019 would have been it. But all that said, I agree with you. Strictly Business has the more NWA cachet to them. So I think that's an easy next round choice. Yeah. And and again, um, ag- agree with what you say. Look up Tom Latimer as soon as you realize who he used to be. Uh, you might realize what he did in the past. Um, and me or you picking anyone to win is just for listeners is not an endorsement of the people at all. No. It is just guessing this as a company, as a TV show, as a booking decision. Right. And I do think it's a little silly sometimes that people get carried away with that stuff where it's like, I picked Tom Latimer to win this match. Oh, then you must think he did nothing wrong. Like what? How did you jump to that conclusion? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just guessing who's going to win a thing. If I guess uh, Thanos is going to win at the end of infinity war, I'm not endorsing Thanos. I'm just guessing where the story's going. I don't know. I feel like you're endorsing Thanos. Well, hashtag Thanos was right. (laughs) Okay. Next round up is Doug Williams and Doug Williams had to pick a partner because Nick Aldis will be fighting for the NWA title this night. So the two of them can't be teaming up. They announced finally that Doug Williams partner will be Harry Smith which I think is a very interesting combination there. They will be taking on the ill begotten, which will be some combination of Alex Taylor, Captain Yuma, Jeremiah Plunkett, and or Rush Freeman. The fact that we don't know which ones, the fact that this is Harry Smith's, uh, not day return debut, whatever here with NWA. Um, Doug Williams is very highly considered in the company and all every plus I got to imagine there'll be the faces in this. We are picking strictly business to win the previous round. Everything says Doug Williams and Harry Smith are most likely winning this match. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the only person in the ill-begotten I even know is Yuma, who I enjoy on Twitter. Uh, I, I, I don't even have a lot of like reasonable uh, guessing for that team, but I, I know Harry Smith. Well, I know Doug Williams. Well, uh, I was excited for the return of British Invasion, but I understand Aldis has his fish to fry with Cardona, so that's fine. Uh, but yes, I think Williams and Smith versus Adonis and Latimer is the is the better match to have in the second round, the more logical match too. So I will I will agree with you there as well. Okay, on to the next round. We have Matthew Mims and the Pope against the Cardonas, which is not. Um, Matt Cardona and Chelsea teaming up. The idea is that Matt Cardona as NWA champion gets to force a pick into this. So he picked Mike Knox and VSK to represent him. I love that they're called the Cardonas. I think that's such a great, (laughs) that's like such a great heel thing to name, name your two, your, your heavy and your protege of sorts under your name is, is just great stuff. I don't know anything about Matthew Mims. 
I he's barely been seen because the Pope um, had an injury story, and then he came out all uh, you know upset, like he wasn't even sure if he would be okay, uh, if he would get back or anything. Like it, they're pushing the Pope as like their their sympathetic pick here, but not giving him really a story as part of the Crockett Cup, right? And that's the only reason that I feel like it would make sense for the Cardonas to win just to continue your Matt Cardona heel story here. But the problem is the next match here has already happened and it happened on the previous show and you can watch it on NWA power on YouTube, but we had the OGK Matt Taven and Mike Bennett against the fixers, Jay Bradley and wrecking ball is Ligurski uh, seed three team against seed 14 team and the fixers, the lower team won. So there's already your bracket buster story. And the fixers are healed, but them against Hardonas would just be funnier. It would be more entertaining than Mims and Pope. And and who's to say this isn't the the way to get the to turn the fixers face or something? Even if you have, you know, that's fixer, a, that's an have, excellent point. Well, you have the fixer that both team both those teams are heels. I think that the the audience is going to be more inclined to cheer the fixers over the Cardonas. I feel like they're capable of switching things up, wrestling the match you need to wrestle, and you've got the smaller VSK they could beat into a fine paste. That's an excellent point. So anyways, I, all this to say, I would pick the Cardonas to to win this opening round match. I think you have this potential story with Chelsea in the women's title match, Matt in the, in the world title match, and then the Cardonas here to, like, are the Cardonas going to swarm and overtake the NWA? And I think so at least having them go past one round to continue that story is worthwhile, too. I agree. All right. So next round with Aaron Stevens and J.R. Kratos versus the Dirty Sexy Boys of Dirty Dango and JTG. I love Dirty Sexy Boys. They are absolutely hysterical on here. Dirty Dango, for people who don't know, is Fandango who is just playing up what he and Tyler Breeze had been doing, but to another level. He is just exuding this sexuality that's pervy and cringy, but also hysterical at the same time. And JTG's playing the straight man to it, but then they wrestle so well together. And Aaron Stevens and Kratos were a bigger part in NWA in the previous years, and they don't seem to have had a focus on here at all lately so i think they're just on here because they were already established they're known to the nwa audience but i think they're just here for the evening like we just need a team we need someone to fill the space they're just here so i'm picking dirty sexy boys for this round so i know one of the few nwa matches that i've seen is was stevens and kratos versus the ogk at the last pay-per-view because the ogk defended the ring of honor world tag titles and i try to watch all the roh defenses and other companies and they were doing something there with like, I guess Kratos and Stevens were baby faces, but um, Stevens was being more of a heel or whatever. And Kratos was like, what are you doing? So there was like this sort of already this story sort of percolating of that team not getting along despite being former NWA tag champs and all this stuff. Um, so all that to say, with that being my only knowledge of this team, aside from J.R. Kratos is a regular in, in New Japan Strong and he is really great as a as a bruiser uh as a brawler i i'm definitely become a fan of his 
Um, but just on the surface, the team of Dango and JTG sounds extremely up my alley. And since I know they were already doing something with Stevens and Kratos as a team sort of crumbling on the previous pay-per-view, carry that over to the next pay-per-view, they lose in the opening round. Your dirty, sexy boys move on. All right, final match for first round here is the Briscoe brothers against the number 15 team to be determined. Now, the fact that they're not saying who it is makes me wonder if it's going to be a named team and this is going to be a shocking and surprising first round match. Or they don't know who they can get, so it might be a filler thing. Either way, I think you get more interest more money more crowd involvement if you have the briscoes win here because if you can't name who the team is then i gotta imagine you got the briscoes on for a bit um unless it's something like this is finally the ftr match which i can't imagine they would give that away no this is the thing companies love doing right now is briscoes versus mystery opponents so they can make the fans think maybe it's ftr you bait them and then you you fuck them. We got their money. Guess what? You're not getting FTR. You're getting, you know, who the hell knows? It's bad. It's a bad strategy. Don't do this because there's no way the NWA is going to do it. But like GCW did it at Hammerstein. Now you have NWA doing it here. Ring of Honor is doing it with Supercard. And like there's at least a realistic chance it's going to happen at Ring of Honor. But drives me up a wall that we are like taking advantage of the over speculation that a lot of fans on the internet do and not really false advertising, but sort of in a way, false advertising Briscoe's versus FDR. Just stop it. Just stop it. But all that to say, I don't have, again, I have no reasonable ex, uh, uh, like, uh, you know, prediction for who that team could be. So I'll just also say, uh, the Briscoes will advance. Uh, I always say the Briscoes are probably the most problematic uh, wrestlers that I really like. So, um, but I've also heard that there's been a lot of reformation from them too. But I I wasn't there or whatever, so it is what it is. But that's just kind of a joking thing I like to say. But I do really enjoy watching the Briscoe brothers wrestle, and them and Dan- them against JTG and Django could uh, could be pretty awesome. Yep, and that's kind of all right. Let's just go from there. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Yeah, we'll go bottom up. Um, I think Briscoe's against Dango JTG would be great. I think uh, you'd have a real contrast in styles there. I think Briscoe's wouldn't know what to make of Dango. I think it would just be a very fun match. In the end, I still see Briscoe's winning that one. So do I, and I think it's that would that's gonna match. I think that's gonna surprise people because I'm plenty of evidence to show that JTG and Dango can really go when the opportunity calls for it. This is a match that would call for it, but Briscoes have their own. Uh, I think they, yeah, they were in the the that Crockett Cup, and I think one of them maybe bled a bunch too. Uh, so, but yes, uh, Briscoes defeat the the Dirty Sexy Boys as well. All right, then we have the Cardonas against the Fixers here. Um, I agree. I think the story of this is going to be. Cardona trying to take over the NWA, and I think that the Cardonas of Mike Knox and VSK go at least one more round. Yes. Uh, I will, I will say the same. I don't know how much okay. to add there. <laughs> All right. Follow up with strictly business against Doug Williams and Harry Smith. Um, 
I am honestly not sure because I'm looking at a lot of rebellion against Hawks here. I I think I'm gonna go strictly business here. Mm, yes, I will say the same. Does that mean you're picking the Hawks family to get the upset over Lara? Yes, Rebellion? I am. Okay. Yes, I yeah, am. I was thinking that too. I'm like, there's something about the the father and son going far that makes me because obviously it's going to be non-title. So there you go. You get your your built-in potential title match. Bada bing, bada boom. All right, so then we got Hawks against Strictly Business here. I have now booked my whole storyline for the two-night <laughs> pay-per-view. So I'm going with the Hawks winning here. Yeah, I kind of feel like we might be going to the same. We might be going to the same place. All right. <laughs> so, because so, I think you got Hawks family. Are you having the Cardonas maybe beat the Briscoes? I'm having the Cardona's beat the Briscoes. They it will be a cheating win for sure. Yeah, no, no way it's clean. Yep, maybe Brian Myers shows up out of nowhere or something Ooh. like that. It's a it's a cheating win, but either way, the Cardona's get the win. I don't think Impact has shows that weekend, so that's the only thing I that would get in the way. When are they running Philadelphia? Impact. I don't know. I know when they're running Poughkeepsie because we're debating on going. <laughs> Right. Uh, oh, are you also? I meant to. Add, okay, you know what? Yes. Uh, so, so the Crockett Cup is what? Is it March nineteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth? Yep. So Impact is in Philadelphia, March eighteenth and nineteenth. So, if this match is happening on night two, you could possibly get him in there. That's true. We get the we most certainly... professional wrestler acting as the least professional wrestler in this instance. Helping them win. Oh, and what Cardona do? He did AIW, then flew for Impact the next day and missed Toy Hio. It was it was the NWA title when he flew to the next day to miss. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. So they're they're certainly not going to be uh, against doing a show and then immediately flying out for another one. I don't think <laughs> Philadelphia to Nashville is that ridiculous either. No. No, I can't imagine, and probably one that happens all day long too. Yes. Okay, so then that brings us to the Hawks and uh, the Cardonas in the finals, and I think the father-son victory, the, the joy. And, and now they beat the NWA champs en route to winning the, the tournament, and you got that story built up there. Yep, you have them as the last hope for the NWA. Someone has to stop Matt Cardona. We have to defeat him. Um, I, like, I don't think Cardona's losing the title because I think it makes more sense to have him do this run. You could have, because Chelsea's in the women's match, too, Yes. on this weekend. So if you had Chelsea also win, which Camille's had that title forever, nothing against her, but she's had that title a long time now. Right. And so so to jump around a little bit, I that's what I, I think. Matt's going to retain. Chelsea will win the title. And then it's going to be like, oh, my God, are the Cardona's going to win the finals and rule the roost of the NWA? And then the Hawks save the day for for the NWA and the fans. Yep, they're they're the last hope for the NWA for all of them. Um, oh, she's only had it since June sixth. That's actually shorter than I expected. That's still a, a pretty darn healthy reign, depending on how oh, many events right, they're in. Like, yeah. uh, so I didn't know this until I watched the Diana uh, Roxy match, where it was the AAA title versus the Ring of Honor Women's title, and it was like such a clear picture of both companies. 
because Roxy had had the title since September when the match happened in January, and she had defended it eight times. Deanna had the AAA title since August, and she had defended it zero times. And by and that is, by the way, uh, not against Deanna. That is against AAA, and it tells you exactly how they feel about their championships. Um, but yeah, so I, she, I know Camille, you said has held it that long, but how, you know how many times she's defended it? I don't know. I'll look that up real quick, but yeah, so I'd be very curious about that because I tend. There are times where I look at the the defenses versus the length, but that's my. You know, you don't there's nothing wrong with a with a short length people if there's a lot of defenses there. Nothing wrong with short length at all. Wow, Welcome she said a it. lot actually. Uh let's see about about a dozen. Oh, all right. Yeah, okay. I feel like I feel like a good clip for titles is like as long as you defend it once a month. I think that's that's a really good way to do it. That's a good minimum. Yeah, and defending the title once a month doesn't mean the person's only wrestling once a month either. Correct. There's tag matches, there's non-title things, there's you could be wrestling for another promotion and not bring in that title along. All sorts of things could happen with it. Um, but that's tangent we don't need to go on to, but that was one of the things that I hated about previous Brock Lesnar runs with the WWE title. It's like you have a champion who's not even on your show for months sure. at a time. What, what are all these guys fighting for? A title that currently doesn't exist because he's not there sure or it's like hey shinsuke nakamura has been champ forever it's like yeah well he hasn't defended it since august so what does that mean yeah yeah but that wwe booking is a whole other thing right now it sure is <laughs> it's it, comparing it to coca-cola and mcdonald's like at the start of the show sometimes i just want something cheap and easy and i know what i'm getting and i can move on with my day and sometimes I actually want something that took craftsmanship in a while to prepare. Right. I, so I, I put this – and it's not – I don't use this analogy necessarily for wrestling, but it's like if I want a burger, if I'm in the mood for a burger, I don't go to McDonald's. If I'm in the mood for McDonald's, I go to McDonald's. You know, that is an excellent it, – it, it seems such a ridiculous distinction, but everyone who's eaten there knows exactly what you mean. A hundred percent. So I can you use that analogy for for wrestling too? Maybe I think there is something there, but that's that's how I always put it. Like I have to be in a very specific mood to eat or consume that product to go to it. Yeah. Well, and my thing was always um, McDonald's, and maybe this works for the analogy as well. No one wants McDonald's as an adult. You want McDonald's as a kid. You want your mom or dad or your grandparent to take you to McDonald's and you got your Happy Meal and you got a cool toy and you got to go around the playground. You have this beautiful childhood memory. And every time you go to McDonald's, it's chasing that dragon of wanting that good memory again. Mm -hmm. And it's always going to fall flat, but you're going to keep going because you hope one day you get that memory again. You get that feeling again. I will say this. One of the, the most days I've gone hungover to work, which fortune was a while ago, previous <laughs> life. Uh, two sausage biscuits made me feel like a new man for McDonald's. So I'll always, yeah. I'll always be grateful for that. Yep. Uh, any, the only place I worked where I would come and hung over the next day. Well, sorry, <laughs> there were two. One of the main one <laughs> um, was at a mall that had a food court and one of the places served breakfasts. And that was the only reason I got through was like a greasy breakfast sandwich like that. <laughs> some some of those things, they just, they're tried and true. Yep, stores won't open till nine, but the restaurants opened at eight. They knew what they were doing. Oh, perfect. Perfect, perfect. 
so that's right, the tournament. Any, that's the tournament. I I think this is a good tournament, a good breakdown. I mean, we'll we got to wait a little bit to see if we're correct. And uh, like I said, it does appear that this is on fight, so I'm gonna try to watch it live. Uh, it'll depend on what else is going on at the time, but I'm gonna try. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, there's maybe a couple matches I'll turn or tune into. Um. But also, is this something you're going to, uh, you think you might do some coverage or recap on over at uh, themasslibrary.com or masslibrary.com, I should say? I don't know, because it it depends for stuff like that. Maybe you, with all the reviews you do, um, may have had a similar thought along the way. Some stuff I just want to watch for my own enjoyment. For sure. I just want it to be mine. I don't want to go you know, jump on Twitter, do a write-up, do whatever. I just want to be in the moment and watch it and enjoy it for what it is and not make make it feel like work. So I'm not quite sure yet for this one. Um, Okay, yeah, that's fair. Like, yeah, like Raw lately, who's on? Okay, I don't care about this match or the segment or whatever. Let let me get my dishes done. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Let, let me pick up a book or something like that. I'm I'm in the room. It's on. I can hear it or whatever, but I'm not invested in it. Yeah. But then you other could, shows, like if I'm you watching could put your atten- w- you could you could put your attention on it whenever you feel like it, and then not ha- and then do something else when it's on. But yes, like I I, I know I interrupted by your saying, but something like an AIW, you'll be more attentive to from start to finish. Right, AIW show, I'm there the whole time for it, and a lot of times I'll jump on Twitter for that as well, because honestly, uh, other people they're watching and a lot of the wrestlers are following the hashtag and the Twitter for it, so it makes you feel more part of the show as well. Yes. Like that ends up becoming more enjoyable. In some ways, I feel like because the things are streaming and DVDs aren't you know necessarily a thing anymore, what have you, it feels like what the biggest draw of watching wrestling now is the the communal conversation on Twitter. Um, and I think that helps with a lot of companies where it, it helps and hurts because I think it's really going to help your live stream numbers to go along with the hashtags and get a conversation going with people. But I think it does hurt the replay value uh, even a couple days later. Uh, your most devoted people will go back and check it for the people who really like the the conversational and communal aspect and may hurt it a little bit. But uh, it does make me more inclined to tune in on a Friday night for an AIW show versus checking it on demand for those reasons. Um, but I, but I will say this as somebody who doesn't follow the NWA so closely and values your opinions on, on shows, even if you're not doing a match by match thing, or you're just putting it on Twitter or not your website ever, I would very much be interested to see what you think of these two shows. All right. Challenge accepted. <laughs> and, and so I also want to ask you, there are, Four title matches, or I guess there's five total. Four on four on day two, at least. Um, like we know that we know the the Nick Aldis match versus Cardona. We know the the Chelsea versus Camille versus Kylie Ray. But there's also three other NWA title matches. Kit, what can you tell me about those? All right, so we got Anthony Mayweather who just won that national title against Jack Stane. Uh, Adonis held that title for a while. And one of the jokes storylines has been that um, Adonis was not defending that title on NWA USA. That was supposed to be the whole point of it was to showcase that title. And he wouldn't defend it. He'd do a tag match, but he wouldn't defend the national title on the show. That was supposed to be the spotlight for that title. 
So I think Anthony Mayweather going out there with that title, changing that dynamic, maybe he does a defense every show or he's at least on every show is a way to build him up for it. So I think I don't see him losing the title. It would just be too soon for that. Um, I do think it's time for Tyrus to lose that television title. Uh, again, hasn't been defended in quite a while. However, he's facing Rodney Mack. And that's nothing against Rodney Mack at all, but I just don't see... I, I think his moment has come and gone for having a title like that. Um, I feel like he's very good at, in, a, in a team, as a coach, as a mentor there. But I just don't know that him winning the title is quite it. You also, I think, with Tyrus, uh, how do I word this? That you agree with everything he's done and don't think he's done anything wrong. <laughs> I'm joking, people. You, I'm joking. You could have a certain segment that watches your show feel like if Tyrus loses, you're punishing him. And then does that viewership go away or does it make a very loud noise despite being a very small amount of people, but makes a loud enough noise to be noticed. I think you're, that is like maybe the most perfectly diplomatic sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> so I think Tyrus is keeping the title for those reasons. Um, Austin Idol's fantastic though. He's freaking hysterical. They'll have him be a, a third man in the booth and him and Velvet Sky just go at it the entire time. It's actually very funny. And, she just gets so frustrated with him that I don't think it's an act. I think he purposely knows how to push her buttons and get her riled up. Um, then we have the vacant NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship, which has been a tournament for quite a while. Austin Aries, Homicide, Darius Lockhart, Colby Carino. I think this is Carino's. They are positioning him as a very strong heel. He's got the fixers with him most of the time. He keeps getting better and better. Um, I think uh, Homicide is, again, kind of my thing with Rodney Mack. Like, I think that he has a certain role to play in there, but I don't think being the champion is that role. I wouldn't put the belt on Aries, especially the more he talks, the deeper the hole gets. And uh, it's nothing against Darius Lockhart, but I just don't see this being uh, his time. Which, yeah, when I saw those four, I was like, okay, this feels like Lockhart or Carino. Like, uh, you know, I don't know what Homicide or Aries's um, level of dedication to the NWA is. And they're both just their their time has passed, too, I think, um, to be featured competitors in an organization um, for for one reason or another. Uh, and I think on a show where maybe you're going to have, as we've talked about uh legacy sort of being a, uh, a showcase in the finals with the Hawks winning Carino himself being a second generation talent. I think there's some value in that too, in featuring him as somebody winning that title on the show as well. But it does feel like, I don't know what Lockhart's position has been in NWA. I'm a fan. Uh, I think he's really good. Uh, so I would be plenty happy with him being the junior heavyweight champion, but I think you're right. It, it, just even from someone looking at those four, like Carino immediately popped out to me as like the, the winner of this match. Yeah. And Aries just, geez, the more he talks, the worse it gets every yeah, time. Dude, just, just sign, it, just log off, just sign off and just let it be. 
Yeah, and, and honestly, depending on how the um, how contracts work, I would almost pull him. Consider, you know, with the most recent ones, I don't know how the contracts worked. I don't know if he's locked in. I don't know if he has people that are on his side or whatever. And I'm sure people, you know, uh, in many companies around the world, sometimes look the other way on things. Yes, but. The the most recent <laughs> round of tweets for him were very interesting, very telling, and all. And I got to imagine that a lot of other people are just going to distance themselves from him at that point. You'd hope so. I don't know that control your narrative well. I so I I called in for at odds this week and and had uh, as I always do and had a lot of stuff to say. But um, I gotta say I don't think I, unless Adam signs it, which he says he's not going to. I don't think I'm gonna watch a second of Control Your Narrative. No, uh, and you have you have uh, put yourself into a box where you have to do the homework no matter what it is. If Adam assigns it, I'm just not watching it. Yeah, but I I kind of yeah because I missed one week that I just I think I forgot it was Thursday <laughs> and yeah. then it posted a while ago and I felt so bad for that. So yeah, I I try every week to make sure I get it done or at least watched early if it's not written up early as well and then posted on thursdays and some of it's absolute crap and i'll dm adam and just be like what the hell are you doing and a lot of times he doesn't realize what he got himself into almost never it's very funny (laughs) yeah but it sounds like he's on the same page of there's doing a bit and there's being goofy and then there's not wanting to seem supportive of something and i think Uh, he found his line here with it yeah, like I, I feel like doing a Nightmare Factory show is harmless. Uh, I feel like doing Control Your Narrative is actively supporting a group of bad people. Yeah. Um, yeah and wrestling's full of, of grifters and people working, you know, but this is too far. This is, yeah, this is definitely a bridge too far. Something we didn't talk about at all, and I know we didn't talk about much of the NWA World's Women's match because we both said Chelsea's going to win, but. That Cardona versus all this match, Jeff Jarrett is the special guest referee. Yeah, that's interesting. And, um, I, and I see that and I'm like, there's a non-zero chance Jeff Jarrett becomes the NWA champion somehow. Oh, God. Right? I mean, you can't tell me there's there's 0% chance of that happening. No, no, I can't. Um, well, I, you know what, though? You know what? If he does do something shady to win the title i'm sure it's so he can bring that title uh with his rematch against effie which he promised him before the hammerstein show (laughs) he's like no 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 i'm going tonight i'll get you next time i'm I'm sure he just wants next time to be on a bigger stage for a title or something sure wink yep he just he gives till it hurts uh, if if GCW books uh, Jeff Jarrett versus Minoru Suzuki, all is forgiven. <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes you fall down the YouTube hole and it's like times wrestling got real. Uh huh. And you see things of like, I mean, I mean, at this point, we know pretty much all of them. But when you first discover and go, oh, wow, you know, when they're absolutely shooting on each other and you, and you see who bad things happen because a lot of times someone deserved it and got out of line 
Can you imagine what would happen there? Jared just tried to like pull something. And and you know you could even it's, it's Bully Club versus Suzuki Goon if you wanted to go down that that path. But yes, that would be a very interesting. Uh, I feel like you'd get Jared on his best behavior in that one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he would. I I, I don't know, and I have certain issues with that Hammerstein show um, that I that I made known. I got a lot uh, of issues with that Hammerstein show, but yep. Yeah. But he absolutely showed up and screwed them over and it's probably never coming back. No, but we'll get him next time. <laughs> Kitchen next time. Kid. Who the hell tells that story all the time? They're sitting outside for an autograph and the wrestler said, Oh, I'll get you next time kid. Or I'll, I'll get you after the show and just blew him off. Oh gosh. I can't remember. Just like a Tommy no, story or something. Yeah. Cause we've both heard it tons of times in different interviews and I can't remember who did it. Of course. Was it like Dreamer and Backland, maybe, or something like that? Maybe that, but I can't remember if he got his autograph or what or what happened. But yeah, maybe that's the one. Uh, <laughs> All right, Kevin. Was there anything else on your mind for wrestling stuff here that we could go down to tangent? Not, not that I can think of. Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm, and I'm very curious if. Like I look at this and AIW and GCW and all this stuff, and I'm wondering now. Obviously, myself and uh, and and people like Adam and Joe and some others are very, you know, hooked into the major figure world. But are we getting an oversaturation of Cardona in these top spots? Because I I also think even if you aren't tuned into these things, people get a feeling like a vibe, even if you can't describe it. And I'm curious if people out there who don't even fall as much as we do are like, man, it feels like Cardona is all over the place. And eventually you're like, that can work out and making his profile and make him seem like he's a bigger person. But sometimes you're just like, this is a lot of of one person. All right. How about this? If you're just into the wrestling part of it, it's not oversaturation yet because you have breaks in there and him appearing for different companies. It's not like these companies have weekly shows and he's on all three every week doing stuff. So you have a break. However, if you were also in the major figure group and on their YouTube and stuff, you're real close to oversaturation. You're real close to, I'm sick of this guy's shit. And there, yeah, uh, I think we're at a point and I don't want it to happen to anyone ever, but I think we're at a point where honestly he'd probably have to have some sort of injury be quiet for a little bit while rehabbing it could still do major could still do certain other things but not be active and then come back like how can we miss you if you never go away yes i'm so, curious because it does feel like it is it is also and if you watch the the, the vlogs or whatever it's like the same thing he comes out he does the promo he has a match usually wins and if he loses it's a it's a fuck finish so i think a lot of people were also skeptical obviously on a much bigger scale of like is kenny omega gonna lose all these titles clean like not not the not like the AEW one but like some of the other ones that he had and like i think the a the triple a one he just dropped impact one he lost but in aew to an aew person uh and it's like so what happens with broski does he 
what what happens when it's time to lose the absolute titles, the NWA title and the other titles? What what's that going to look like? It's great. It's great to collect them and feel like a big man. But when it's time to to pay back, does Broski do business? Or has he like you're at a weird spot of I had so many people screw me over. And I know how that felt, but now I'm in a position that I can be that one doing the power plays. So do I want to be the person I wish was on the other side against me? Or have I learned too well from them and I'm going to pull the same crap? Right. But he is, say what you will, and you're right, but he is smart and self-aware many times too. He he probably knows right now, I got to freshen this up. I have to change this up. I have to do something. What it's going to be, I don't know. But I think he's probably aware of, I'm about as far as I can go this way. So I need to do something different. So I keep being out there and I keep making money. I would hope so. I do I do think in most cases, the fans are maybe a little ahead of that than the wrestler too. So it may be a little longer before that becomes the case as well. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see when it's time for him to move on from from these current places and, and uh, grab a new hold, Ken. <laughs> um, question for you here. I, I got a quick one here that I'm wondering about. So the last GCW show, um, I happened to be uh, with my friends watching it um, and they hated it. So uh, my friend Matt has two TV set up uh, usually during football season, but he just leaves it up. So GCW went on the smaller TV and they were flipping through for anything else to watch. Uh-huh. And uh, we ended up watching um, a tough man competition from West Virginia, which was the most Holy redneck shit. trailer trash thing I've ever seen in my life. And I had a GCW pay-per-view on at the same time. Yes. But they hated GCW. Absolutely hated it. And this wasn't the Hammerstein show. This was just like whatever the show was like two weeks ago. I was going to say, because I was trying to think, was the, the last one, were those, was that the California, I know there was, they had two California shows, one had the the majors in the main event, and I think the one the next day had, like, Thunder Rosa versus Tony Deppen. Oh, not that, so it was, bef- it was before that. Okay, I was going to say, it was like, man, if you're um, hanging out till Friends, and that's like till 2am your time. Yeah, no, 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 because I, I couldn't stay awake for that one, either. I was just too tired, so yeah, it wasn't cold as winter. Was that the one with, like, Briscoes versus the SATs? In like the the my, 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 what do they call it the Atlantic City venue? I think yeah, I think it was that. But um, th- they were hating the blood, the violence for it and everything, just all sorts of stuff, and were viewing it as trash. And I'm like, I know, like I'm not a deathmatch ghoul. There's certain things that are just way too much for me. But I can watch this. There's something about it usually for the most part. And there's certain people I enjoy, but having someone else in there, I'm like, okay, I know this is a bad match. I know this doesn't have storyline going to it or anything, but I think it's the almost a disposable aspect of it. I'm like, I'm going to be entertained. I don't need to remember who everyone is. I don't need to remember every spot here. I don't need great psychology. I don't need this to be like a thing I remember for the rest of my life. Yes. Uh, like in comparison, AEW. Sunday, I think that's going to be one of the best pay-per-views I've ever seen in my life. I have such high hopes for that show. 
uh, from top to bottom that looks like an amazing card. GCW, I will throw on because I'm like, I like wrestling. I'll see something cool here. But in the end, it's ultimately disposable. It's uh, it's almost like GCW. And, and I can just I can see Joan Adams reactions here already. <laughs> it's almost like GCW is porn and AEW. I'm watching to watch a movie. Huh. OK, I guess if you view AEW that highly, maybe that's the case. Um, <laughs> well, I, any, any show, any, anybody running a Sunday night show with 13 matches, I think that should call for a citizen's arrest. Uh, oh, but that's yeah. just me. Um, I mean, GCW is like junk food in a lot of ways. Uh, it, you, 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 you take it in, you feel, maybe you feel good about it, but maybe you feel bad a little bit later. But I think a lot of what makes GCW what it is, is also the live experience. It's, it's getting fucked up. Or even if you're at home and just watching it fucked up or, or high or whatever. I think it's meant to be uh, taken in in a particular way. Either live amongst that atmosphere. Uh, it is supposed to be taken in on on pay-per-view. Maybe uh, under the influence. Uh, but I think it is. And I and I think this is almost in going back to talking about the, the live nature of stuff on social media or whatever. It is intentionally disposable. Um, and I think that is very much the nature of pro wrestling these days, because how often now with the Indies are a show happens Friday night, it some and by some cases by Saturday night, it may as well have not even happened. Like the discussion's done. Um, you might get a, a pay-per-view for a bigger company. You may get a couple more days out of it, but it's like by a week pff, discussions over. It's like it didn't even happen almost in, in some cases, unless something really like ex- extremely good or extremely bad happened. So I think in general wrestling's more disposable and for GCW that is by design. Um like the Hammerstein show I watched because it was very much like this is going to be a big event whether the, whether the show was good or bad and I think it was bad it felt like a significant event in independent pro wrestling and I wanted to watch it. Um and I think it it I don't think it's going to get a lot of people who weren't GCW fans to come back. But I also think kind of what you're getting at is not all wrestling needs to be consumed for the exact same reason. So I think you watching AEW for high quality matches, storylines, wrestlers you want to see, whatever is valid. And I think watching GCW just to consume it and be done with it by the time it's over is also plenty valid. So I don't think all wrestling companies or all wrestling matches need to be viewed and taken in the same way. Disposable is a great way to put it. Um, I, I mean, like I have stacks of comics here, some of which I love and I cherish and I will reread and some stuff. I'll, you know, I'll grab a graphic novel and it's a classic story. And a lot of it is just I read this once. I forgot about it. I didn't even know I had it. If you asked me if I read it, I would have said no, because it was that forgettable. And yet I still spent time on it, though. Yeah, I have. um I bag and board my comics and I have a stack that goes into the personal collection and I have a stack that goes to like a used book store so I can turn around for store credit and get something new. Um, I feel good about it because I take good care of my comics. Now somebody else can go and read them uh, for, for a decent price when they go and pick those up. And usually it's like almost like complete runs or story arcs or something. Um, and then even the stuff I keep, there are things that I want to rebuy as a, as a trade just for the ease of reading it or something along those lines. 
So exact same way. There's some comics I want to reread and cherish as a story. There's some I read and maybe it's not as good as I thought or it's something that turned a little sour, something that I don't need to keep forever. I read it once, I enjoyed it, or I didn't, and I can just get get rid of it, get it out of my collection, and that's that. Um, so yeah, kind, kind, kind of just a similar thing. There's something you read, and you, you if you forget about it, whatever. At least those few minutes, you weren't bored for a little bit. But then there's those that, like, uh, I think it was Todd talking this past week on Longbox Heroes, like a specific Justice League story. He's like, I'm going to rebuy it every way it comes out. I love that story so much. Um, and like, uh, I think it was like Superior Foes of Spider-Man, Joe talked about buying either the trades or the hardcovers or both, even though he owned the single issues, he enjoyed it so much. Um, and I was like that with uh, with sex criminals. I wanted like the, I have all the single issues, I have the, but I also have the trades so I could have some beaters to read, but I also will probably eventually get the really nice hardcovers uh, to have those too, so. Uh, and, and again, all points are valid, but not everything needs to be taken in the same way. Like how many TV shows do you watch and you watch them and they're done, but then there's shows that maybe you own the box set of, or you've rewatched same thing. You know, exactly. And TV is a good point that I was thinking that the other day, um, with, with my ex, we watched, uh, all of bones, you know, a lot of NCIS, like there's procedural shows. I can't pick an episode out. Of like, oh my, that episode that was like, you know, an all-time classic or a great, or I I would rewatch just that one episode alone because it was so good. Nothing, and I watched years of it. Right, totally. Um, yeah. And then there's other things that lasted like a season that I could tell you every single thing that happened because it was so good. Right. Uh, yeah, and you have your favorite episodes or stories or characters or whoever and you and you get fixated on the little things and yeah you watch that whole road of shows and you're just like whoop it's gone yep <laughs> gone from my memory not spending money on this <laughs> yeah that and that's and that's fine that's just the nature thing we only have so much capacity we only have so much time um so spend it how, how you need to if if you get more enjoyment after what watching old wrestling or reading older comics than you do the current stuff, that's totally fine. You can do that. Well, and I guess say, if someone wants a good way to spend their disposable time, though, is there a website that they could go to? To read my stuff, if they want to hear more about my wrestling <laughs> opinions, perhaps? Yep, that's my ham-fisted segue that I got called out for a couple weeks ago uh, for an indie wrestler interview. <laughs> Well, so so this is I you know the night that the that the announcement got made uh, about Ring of Honor. I said, "Gee, this sure would be a good time to go to my website and read all of my reviews of Ring of Honor since they came back after the pandemic." So if you're if you suddenly have this renewed interest in Ring of Honor after the purchase from Tony Khan, I have reviewed every single episode of television since the pandemic, uh, which is October 2020 to today. I've reviewed all the pay-per-views, the Honor Club specials as well, and even all outside title defenses of the Ring of Honor titles. All of those are featured on a weekly basis. And on top of that, I also follow New Japan's United States branch, New Japan Strong. That's their weekly television show. They've also had some U.S. specials. They've got a couple coming up. Uh, I think especially Windy City Riot in Chicago next month is going to be a massive show. So if you want to see what that's all about and also check out uh, what's going on with all the IWGP United States title defenses, since I do count that as part of the arm of New Japan, even though it's being defended in Japan right now, check all that out at the same place, kevin-ford.com or kford13.wordpress.com. 
I got a bunch of older reviews there, but each week you can count on at least two reviews. And I've also been going and doing some older Ring of Honor stuff, some compilations for now. But I do have some plans to maybe cover some uh, some older shows, including probably eventually that 2019 Crockett Cup. So if you're looking for uh, Ring of Honor reviews or New Japan USA reviews, you can go there. And if you want to hear me on podcasts, you can go to EnterTheRealWorld.com. That's R-E-E-L, like a film reel. Uh, I've got a bunch of shows that I've talked about there. I've talked about Lost. I've talked about Veronica Mars, Breaking Bad, uh, Better Call Saul, Adventure Time, things like that. And this year, myself and my friend Jerome Cusan, each month we are covering a television series we felt was canceled too soon. We did Freaks and Geeks in January. We did The Critic in February. We did Undeclared this month. Next month, we're going to be doing High Fidelity, the Hulu show. We were both fans of the movie, so we did that. And I'll break some news here. I know this is going to make Joe Sposto very happy. But in the month of May, we are going to be talking about the Clerks animated series. Uh, and nice. I know he, and him and my him and uh, a friend of ours, Kyle Rieger, did a great podcast about that. Uh, sometime last summer, I actually still have it on my phone, so I'm going to look it up real quick. The Super Fantastic Podcast. It was on June 16th of 2021. They talked about uh, the films of Kevin Smith and the Clerks animated series. I think it was just a Clerks animated series episode in a series of episodes about Kevin Smith. So that's going to be a really good companion piece to listen to. And uh, if you're someone like me and you listen to some of the Conrad's wrestling podcasts, he'll often talk about how they do a topic for an episode, but it's so much more than that. And the example he always gives is he did an episode on the XFL, but it's really an episode about Vince McMahon and a lot of his idiosyncrasies and things of that nature and how he handled that whole thing. Similar to this, yes, we will be talking about the Clerks animated series very in-depth, but it's going to be a lot about myself and Jerome's fandom of Kevin Smith, uh, who we discovered as teenagers, loved in high high school and college, and uh, how that all came to be. So uh, we'll be doing that each month this year, and then uh, we are going to go back to finish up uh, Better Call Saul, which finishes this summer and, and fall. Uh, so lots to look forward to over at EnterTheRealWorld.com and and uh, uh, kevin Whether you want wrestling or just hearing me more talking, I got it all. <laughs> and I got to say, the um, the Clerks cartoon is one that I will throw on uh, once a year, once every couple years, and just rewatch it all. And I discover jokes and things that I missed beforehand. I still laugh every time. I absolutely love that show. It's highly quotable, too. Oh, yeah. I can't remember the last time I I just pulled it out and watched a episode. It's always been I pull out the, and I watch all six. Yep. And I think my favorite uh, canceled to early show is The Class, which no one knows anymore. I definitely know the name of that show. It was um, when uh, How I Met Your Mother got big. It was supposed to be like the show paired with it. So you got like an ah, hour of comedy okay. on CBS. And uh, John Barenthal is on it. Um, the the redheaded guy from um, Modern Family. Uh, I can't remember his the actor's name right now. Uh, Jesse um, Tyler Ferguson. Yes. Uh, Lizzie Kaplan is on it, who I love in everything. But the idea is that it's a bunch of people. They end up at a class reunion. They're supposed to go their separate ways, but then because of it, because of like quick little conversations all their lives end up becoming intertwined like really fast so it's oh oh, hey i have work i have to do in my house oh i'm a contractor let me do this oh i need help i was talking to a guy at the reunion he said he's looking for a job i'll have him help me out for it 
And it was supposed to be like their version of friends. Like we're all single in their thirties and attractive and, and silly stuff happens. It was actually really good. And then, unfortunately, Big Bang Theory took the spot next season, and it never came back. <laughs> well, that's very unfortunate. And honestly, <laughs> Tony Khan owes an apology to a lot of people for for how how much Big Bang Theory have people needed to endure before Dynamite. Now that it's been switched to TBS, <laughs> that itself is a war crime. <laughs> Excellent point. I say I I turned over right at the last moment. You're smart, man. like you. Usually by the time I turn, I'm here and it's Wednesday. You know what that means. There you go. Yeah, I know what it means. It means another friggin' episode of the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> and then the Big Big Show after. The Big Bang Show? Big Big Show. Cody's Oh, thing. the Big Big Show. Well. Yeah. <laughs> that, I wonder, yeah, I wonder what that's all going to look like. I, I have no idea. Um, I, I haven't watched an episode of it unless I've like, you know, not turned the channel right away. Right. I haven't bothered, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious all this Cody stuff, not enough to care, but I'll, I'll be curious how it all settles out. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the exact same boat. Maybe he'll show right, up on the hot new show, Corey and Carmella. I don't know. Oh, oh, and, and I have reviews for that over at mass library. <laughs> I, I was no going to say, I can't believe you did that, but actually I can totally believe you did that. Five episodes, and altogether, that was not even an hour of my time. Yeah, I, I remember seeing him on the YouTube channel being, oh, there's like nine minutes apiece. I'm still not going to watch it, but that's definitely more tolerable than like a full-blown, like, because Total Divas was, maybe still is an hour. That's just, that's a lot. Yeah, and I think I've watched one episode of that, like, when it first premiered, and then I realized I got other things to do with my time. Well, it's like, you think wrestling's fake. Holy cow. Go watch a, an e-reality show. Yeah. Yeah, it's even worse. You'd think they would do a better job for wrestling ones because they'd be so used to it, but no. Right, but nope. <laughs> All right, Kevin, thank you so much for agreeing to do this once again. Um, I'm sure we'll talk again in the future. It's always a great talk, and uh, I hope that everyone listening goes ahead and checks out your stuff more, and uh, we'll see what happens next for Ring of Honor, too. Yeah, and if you have, if if anything of your of mine podcast or writing wise or whatever feel free to hit me up on twitter at k4 to 13 dm me tweet me comment on either website I'll, I'll see it i'll uh i'll engage as long as you're a nice person about it uh and the only thing i'm mad about is that uh i also wasn't called someone with a whole lot of ass by you kevin on the show but thank you for having me <laughs>